Hi, Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 50. Um, more of a non-traditional episode here, a very short one. But uh, options for, you know, what which timber to use um, for what application. You know, exterior, exterior timber usage. Um, cedar. Cedar prices are through the roof right now. I think it's a big excuse. I think people have jumped on this COVID bandwagon to um, really stick it to their uh, distributors who have been backing them, the mills, for many years, and really to uh, quick make uh, make uh, make money fast scheme by these people who are milling this lumber. A lot of them, um, as far as cedar goes, but you know, so if you're you know dealing with parts of your home siding. Uh, porch components, things of that nature. We're not talking about the timber structure here, which we all know we want to keep. If it's period, we want to do it in white oak if possible for its you know, lasting and its durability. Um, but there is an option out there to say yellow, yellow, southern yellow pine or um, cedar. And, you know, it may not, it may be on par the same price. We're not talking about prices here though, but we're talking about um, something relatively new by the last six years, and at the Historic Preservationist, we have talked about this before. So a good replacement for external is thermally modified wood. And uh, basically, it's taking certain species of wood, heating, almost superheating them up to the point just of combustion and stopping the heat, and uh, it just petrifies all the cells. So you have no wood movement. The exterior surface of the wood becomes very hard, somewhat on the brittle side, but very hard. And uh, no uh, fungi enjoys it. Nothing else likes to eat it. And uh, it's very impermeable to a lot of moisture. So it doesn't, it doesn't get the expansion contraction, which is, you know, traditional wood has. So you're almost like petrifying wood with this thermal process. So let's just talk about it. So it's you know, for the most part, we'll call it roasting wood for durability, stability, and putting some a good suntan for dark and good looks on your timber. So in the last decade or so, the uh, lumber industry has developed a process that takes wood a step beyond kiln drying called thermal modification. This process makes wood highly rot resistant without having to infuse it with toxic chemicals, as is the case with pressure-treated lumber. Just imagine all those chemicals going into the ground and, and in your yard. Uh, not a good thing. So before lumber can be thermally modified, it must first be properly kiln-dried. Depending on the species and type of kiln, this includes the wood being heated to between 140 and 160 degrees Fahrenheit for a special length of time. For the thermal modification, the wood is transferred to a specialized kiln where it's heated to between 300 and 325 degrees Fahrenheit. In essence, you're actually roasting the wood. This process converts the sugars and starches within the wood's cells into a caramelized substance that is no longer palatable to the fungi that cause wood to decay. Although, the cell walls become crystallized, preventing the wood from absorbing water, which helps to eliminate the second condition necessary for rot, 
a moist environment. So thermal modification isn't a revolutionary idea. The Vikings, for example, were scorching the hulls of their ships hundreds and hundreds of years ago to thwart the rot and keep barnacles and other marine life from hitching a ride. Native Americans also used fire to harden and to cure their arrows and other wooden tools they used for daily life. And in the 18th century, the Japanese developed what they call Ban, a technique for preserving wood by charring it with fire, and they would do this on tools outside of houses. The main difference is that instead of fire, the thermal heating process involves today computer-controlled roasting with specific programs developed for each wood species being modified. So this thermal modification process imparts a brown cast throughout a board. Though some species get darker than others, thermopoplar, for example, for it resembles black walnut, whereas soft maple retain hints of its original lighter hue. So let's talk just a bit about availability. So while nearly any wood can be altered in this way, the more commonly available thermally modified hardwoods are poplar and ash, while softwoods include spruce and southern yellow pine. Much of this material is milled to standard sizes for, for use as siding and decking. Southern yellow pine is also available in two, two inch or two times stock. Rough sawn four, four quarter and five quarter stock in widths to 15 inches and probably lengths up to 12 inches are generally available. And the price range is going to be anywhere from five to seven dollars a board foot. Not bad for comparing it to some of these absolute crazy prices as we mentioned earlier, that are happening to cedar. So I just wanted to put something out there. Um, doing a restoration project, I was looking for 10 pieces of 4-inch four inch, four inch by 1-inch um, stock of cedar, 4 inches wide, 8 feet long, 10 of them. Local lumber yard I deal with all the time. I got the same amount about a year and a half ago. It was $155. I went down a few days ago, and the price was $525 for uh, just enough wood for any any 16-year-old uh, girl could you know carry. So it was very lightweight stuff. I mean, it's not a lot of wood. $525. you got to be kidding me. And he said, well, if you don't buy it now, we don't have much left. And if I have to reorder, it's going to run next time. We already have our new pricing parameters of $575. So with prices like this, thermally modified wood is a good alternative. And you must weigh this in historic preservation terms for yourself, though. If you're doing an accurate, sympathetic restoration or conservation, you may not want to use it. And we're not saying use it for price. But flat out, this wood is going to last a few hundred years without any rot, any bugs wanting to eat it. Um, the only drawback, I've used this on about 12 occasions, is when you're cutting or routing, you must wear a mask. I'd say it's obligatory because this stuff is very dangerous. Typical wood, well, the, the sugars and starches are still very pliant. They're very pliable. They're still very movable. If you breathe in the dust or you get a piece of wood in your mouth or it gets into your lung, um, it'll eventually break down in your lung if, of course, it's not black walnut. 
uh, which can lead to black lung. But the uh, the breakdown in the lung on a typical uh, you know wood dust or splinter, uh, it will eventually occur. It's going to take a long time. It'll stay moist. But unfortunately, with a the thermally modified wood, it's like splinters. It doesn't break down because all the starches and sugars have been uh, have been totally uh, petrified. So, so it's dangerous um, for breathing, and it creates a lot of crazy dust. So that's what I don't like about it. So, so someone doing historic uh, hit work on their house must weigh these options out. Uh, possibly today, that's the way to go with these crazy, crazy prices we're seeing. So, and the the last thing with that though, you're not putting any crazy chemicals into the environment like pressure treated wood. So, if thermally modified wood is seventy five to eighty five percent more stable than regular wood, making it much less susceptible to expansion and contraction with changes in relative humidity. The stability, along with its rot resistance, makes thermo wood an excellent choice for exterior applications. Even with direct ground contact, the wood has a 25 to 30 year life expectancy. Pretty amazing stuff. So one popular application in its use in making, say, raised garden beds, despite the wood's constant contact with soil, no chemicals will leach out contaminating your vegetables. So there's four levels of modification, with number one being the lightest, number four the heaviest. The more modification, the more rot resistance. But at the cost of degrading the wood strength also must be kept in mind. The third level treatment is a good compromise. However, any level of modification leaves the wood more brittle and prone to splitting. Specialized load charts are available for structural situations. And while the wood is rot resistant, it is still subject to ultraviolet or UV degradation from the sun. For a natural look, apply UV protective coating. Use an oil-based primer before painting thermal wood. Water-based primers do not adhere properly because of the changes to the wood's cellular structure. When gluing, leave the clamps on longer than usual. Overnight, it's best. Type on two works very well, as do two-part epoxies. So having worked with several species of thermally modified wood, both <coughs> for this uh, leading up to this episode, as well as the table um, I just did for a, out in the garden, um, I have several more observations. First, it's much nicer to work with than pressure-treated lumber. So not having to worry about any preservation chemicals is quite delightful. And the stability is astounding. It just doesn't warp. Curves don't cause something to cup up uh, at the table saw. Work pieces stay flat after planing. And they don't shrink after installation. Again, on the downside, the wood is quite dusty and crumbly when cut. Cross-cutting produces ragged corners on both faces. And chiseling across the end grain requires very, very sharp tools, or else the grain's going to tear. So regardless of species, the boards seem harder than their unmodified counterparts. I notice this hardness is particular as I turned the bowl. Uh, I've turned a bowl a few weeks back. But <clears throat> the wood stands well, and afterward, the surfaces feel like burnished leather. So it doesn't give you that smooth... Uh, let's call it a porcelain feel 
but doing the bowl and the lathe, but it feels like a burnished leather, so it has texture to it. So it's, it's an interesting feel. So perhaps the most remarkable trait is the odor, though. So a lot of us who love wood, I mean, I have a, a pine in the back of the van, open it up, or cedar siding. Um, I mean, it's intoxicating. So the person in love with wood loves to smell good things. So, so in handling, cutting, in sanding thermally modified wood, it smells strongly burnt, toasty, or nutting, or almost like an old campfire. I don't find that smell unpleasant at all compared to some woods that I'm sanding, but it doesn't linger. It's very short-lived. So I think we're going to finish up with our uh, thermally modified wood, and I hope this gives everyone, if you haven't heard of it, uh, a good option. But you're going to have to go, and sometimes you may have to dig long and hard and go to your uh, local, local wood mill, a local sawyer to find this. So, so, uh, Greg Perry, the historic preservationist, thanks for listening to this. And just don't forget, if you want a more of a visual implication of the historic preservationist, look us up at the, his, the historic preservationist on YouTube, our YouTube channel, uh, our Instagram channels, and on our IGTV channel. So thanks for listening. 